when we've gone to have a look at, at working and having a, um, an office environment, by now it's just so against the culture <laughs> of the company and so against what anyone in the company would want and kind of what they bought into at the beginning that really the only thing that we've ever ever done is to say right we might potentially get somewhere so that we can have a, a space to meet a few times a, a month or something like that you are listening to the thriving empire podcast season four all about how to be a brilliant remote worker whether you're a seasoned remote worker you found yourself reluctantly working from home or you simply want to move from a co-located office role to one that is a hundred percent remote you're going to love this season We talk to the founders and leaders of remote teams who share with us their insights on the qualities, characteristics, skills, knowledge, and experience that enable you to be a brilliant remote worker. So if you want to know how to be the best at what you do in the remote work reality, you're going to love this season. I'm your host, Stephanie Holland, remote marketing strategist, traveler, coconut macaroon addict, and remote work style obsessed. Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Thriving Empire. How are you? I'm really well. I'm very excited. Today we talked to Samantha Deeks, the founder of PR Glue, a software that enables PR teams within large organizations to easily manage their PR campaigns and strategies, both proactively and reactively. And they have some pretty impressive clients as well, which you'll know very well if you're from the UK, Asda, Tesco, Nationwide, and the Scottish and Welsh governments all use PR Glue. So this is no small fry. But this mighty software is empowered by a team of 18 people distributed all over the UK and one in Copenhagen. And they all enjoy the ability to live where they want to live and not where they have to work, which is a concept that Sam has built her entire remote company culture around. Sam's leadership style honestly is guided by her emotional intelligence, which is the ability to identify and manage your own emotions as well as the emotions of others. Now, her mantra, as you will hear, is that we are in this together. And she shares how showing her vulnerabilities and encouraging her team to do the same is just part of how they operate. It's a real strategy that has been worth its weight in gold during the pandemic times, especially. Now, thank goodness I actually record split tracks during my recordings because my track, my side, was full of crackles, so it's totally unusable. Now, at first I thought I'd have to record the entire interview all over again, and then I remembered an episode of a podcast called The Fix that I loved the structure of, so I thought I'd try it here. So here's hoping you enjoy it. Anyway, let's get started. I think it's really interesting that Samantha started PR Glue as a remote company right from the get-go. Now, back in 2014, when she started, she had just been working in a corporate environment for two years. So how did she go from that to founding a 100% remote company? Well, you know, to start off with, the reason that it happened was was purely out of necessity. We were um, a small startup. We had no external funding. We just had a what we hoped would be a, a great idea and a bunch of people who were kind of keen to make it work. So um, when you start off um, with a business like that, you put everything into um, actually funding, building a great product. Uh, so that's where we put all our money towards. But then, actually, you know, as things moved on and we got our customers and you know we got ourselves on a financial footing that sort of initial decision which was out of necessity turned into one where you know we finally felt confident that 
you know what? We don't need an office. And when we had a look at all the things that kind of offices provide, um, which in our mind was overhead, uh, financial overhead, uh, cost of travel, uh, time spent traveling, um, and, you know, all of us coming out of big corporate environments where essentially office environments were there for endless meetings that didn't massively achieve anything. We just, you know what, we just took a decision as a company that we were going to make this a permanent feature. So I was curious because I know they've actually revisited the idea of an office several times since then. Now, remember, the period of time she's talking about is 2014, 2015. So I was curious, what was the major decision behind why not every single time? After, you know, the the initial kind of frantic startup stage and then when we became more of an established business, it became sort of really apparent that this kind of purely remote working, working from home environment was quite, um, was actually quite unique. Uh, so I ended up having access to a pool of fantastic uh, people that I wouldn't have had access to otherwise. So, um, you know, people started sort of saying uh, they just couldn't get this flexibility with, with London um, uh, organizations, London-based companies. So um, one, we had access to a great pool of, of people. Two, we had fantastic loyalty because we were able to give people a proper work-life balance. So you can take your kids to school and you can pick them up. If you've got elderly parents, you've got time to, to spend with them. Um, we also provided people flexibility to say if they didn't want to do the full working week, they could work four days uh, because we tended to find the people that thrive in a work from home environment are people who are kind of self-starters anyway. They're the sort of people that sort of see themselves kind of as their own boss, as their own sort of CEO. And with that kind of attitude, when we then looked at putting in like a, an office environment, we kind of thought, well, what more is that going to give us? Now, don't get me wrong, working from home, like having a remote um, company in normal times is very different from having a remote company in pandemic times. Um, so uh, even though we were a remote, um, you know, we all worked remotely, we did meet up regularly. So the, the tech team would have regular meetups, um, the uh, account management and sales team would have regular meetups, and then we'd have also company meetups because the social bond has to be there um, so that your communications over sort of um, digital channels make more sense. Um, if you just communicate with people digitally and you've never met them, sometimes there's, you know, opportunities for miscommunication. You don't quite get where the other person's coming from. Now, I mean, during a pandemic, that's been very different. So we haven't been able to meet. We've actually had new members join the team and other team members haven't met them face to face. And we're managing that as best we can. So Zoom calls and funny videos that we share with each other and, and so on to get that kind of emotional bond uh, going and that kind of emotional trust going. Um, uh, but uh, I would say that when we when we've gone to have a look at, at working and having a, um, an office environment, by now it's just so against the culture <laughs> of the company and so against what anyone in the company would want and kind of what they bought into at the beginning that really the only thing that we've ever, ever done is to say, right, we might potentially get somewhere so that we can have a, a space to meet a few times a, a month or something like that. 
So not only were they remote, but they actually had a thriving remote culture, which brings so much power to the idea that it's really important to start as you mean to go on. Now, I was really curious about how she found the original team of five that she started up with back in 2014, because now there are well over 100 places to look for remote jobs. But back in 2014, where did she find her original team? Our original team, I, I kind of class us all as um, as sort of uh, big corporate survivors. So there were people that I had been working with uh, either uh, in the in, in NASDAQ or I um, had experience with them before in other sort of tech companies and so forth. So there are people that I knew um, and had been through blood, sweat and tears with for various different projects. So I knew how they um, reacted under pressure and, you know, we all had this real passion to build something that we would all be proud of and to build a platform and a, and a, and a company um, that would be a really nice flat structure where good ideas would come to the fore and where people would feel ownership over what they did. So they weren't, you know... Um, when we started off, it was uh, myself, my business partner, Paul, and three fantastic uh, developers. And each one of them had a real pride in what they did. But each one of them found in the big corporate, there were so many levels of, uh, of bureaucracy and so many decisions being made, not based on kind of what the customer wanted or what would sell well in the market, but sort of being based more on uh long-term strategies that kind of got watered down so we're very much in, in in our in our company we're very much um fail fast and learn quicker get things out there um listen to customer feedback and and, and build something that we can all feel very very proud of and that again that sense of sort of i, I knew that, uh, the, the people that i worked with i knew that they they had that kind of passion they had that frustration that that they couldn't um, really take ownership and push forward with great ideas in, in, a, in, a, in a big, large corporate. It's just the nature of the beast. It doesn't happen. Um, so I knew that they had that frustration. So I knew that they would thrive in an environment that um, where everyone could take ownership and everyone could feel part of, of something, something bigger. And again, I think that also speaks well to people who do work well on their own, because you're not motivated by a boss that's visible in the office. You're motivated by the fact that you want to achieve something really cool for the whole team um, and, and feel part of this kind of this, this big team effort. So it does take um, the, the, the people that, that I, I knew that had that frustration just took to it like a, a, you know, a duck to water. Well, next, I would have asked how she would describe her company culture, but she already gave us a ton of clues as to what that is. It's about building an emotional bond and trust within the team, failing fast, learning quickly, listening and building something that you really feel proud of. So I guess what I wanted to know next was how has she consciously reinforced that company culture with every single hire? Because, you know, they started as a team of five in 2014, and now they are 18 in 2020. So how did they nurture that sense of culture with every single hire? It's it's a it's a it's a really good question and when you start when well, when we started out we were you know very much the little bit sort of garage bandy um 
you know, you're, you're, you're driven by this sense of let's all work and get this done. And there's this um, uh, sort of frenetic, high-paced uh, energy about it. But that isn't sustainable unless you want to kind of burn out after the first couple of years. So as we brought more people into the team, we had to start thinking about um, growing as a business um, and also uh, communication. I mean, we work in communication. That's our, our, our product is for communicators. Uh, and then we found ourselves that internally communication, we had to start properly thinking about it. And we had to think about how we could make sure we supported everyone that, that came on board and make them feel part of that you know, that team, that's, you know, we wanted to keep that sense of, of purpose and so on. Um, and there were, you know, there were a couple of uh, hiccups along the way. There were people that joined that found they couldn't get on with the remote working um, and they couldn't get on. They needed um, potentially uh, far more of a traditional work, uh, you know, office environment. But that was fine because you know, we found that out very quickly on and it was very amicable and so forth. Um, but then for the for the people that did stay and that did, you know, that are flourishing under this sort of um, setup, we also have to make sure that that people know that they are supported and um, and we do uh, put our money where our mouth is in, in that regard. And everyone has benefited from it. So we do have um, regular catch-ups, especially over this pandemic period. We've had regular catch-ups where we don't discuss work. We just discuss, um, you know, funny things that have happened to us personally or horrible things that have happened to us personally. And just let everyone know that um, we are there to support them if they need to take time off, if they need to... um, just talk about things with people and us as um as as managers as well we kind of walk that walk so in amongst ourselves we also um you know share things which have happened to us which uh, you know we basically say um like for example we also use slack to communicate on a a day-to-day basis and for a good period of the you know the pandemic when I was getting used to you know teaching my son at home and working and you know dealing with the fact that I have an you know an elderly mother I had a real you know you know lots of things got on top of me um and had real difficulty sleeping so when there were times when I would have insomnia, sometimes I would just, you know, give up on trying to go to, to sleep and I would take a piece of work that I needed to do that required a few hours of pure concentration and I would do it. And I said to the rest of the team, listen, if you do get emails from me at four in the morning or weird things like that, please don't expect that I'm, you know, please don't think I'm expecting you to read them or work in the same way. I'm just having trouble sleeping at the moment. It's my madness is not you yours um so i think it's very important to um for everyone to know that we're kind of in it together and that um to i guess to show your vulnerabilities and to share your vulnerabilities with the rest of the team um because that hopefully will in turn mean that people are happy to share their vulnerabilities with you you know it's the same as any culture that you set up where um uh, you're happy for people to own their failures because um everyone else has failed as well so if if you create a culture where people are happy to share the fact that they've messed something up um 
and you support them and you say, well, you know, we've, you know, I've done worse than that or um, we've learned from this and now we can move on. Um, I think it's also um, the case that um, you need to be able to, to uh, show that you're vulnerable and, and, and have a culture whereby um, people can ask for time, they can ask for support, they can just, you know, chat and maybe end up having a laugh about it or whatever. Now, that reminded me a lot about what Sondra Rash said in episode 83, and that is that people make mistakes. And it's really important that a company culture embraces that because mistakes are part of life. They're part of work. And when people are allowed to make mistakes, you eradicate fear. And then innovation, creativity, and productivity can thrive. And I also wanted to come back to something that Sam said a few minutes ago, actually, at the beginning of the answer, which was where it hasn't worked out when someone has really been uncomfortable and unhappy in a remote role. So I asked her, what are the kind of signs um, that she saw? Um, She said it happened very quickly and that it was very amicable. But what were the signs um, of why it wasn't right for them? One of the the people that that we hired, they they were just far too much of a, a, a people person. They needed to be in the mix of things um, all the time. That's where they got their energy from. And um, that was just, there was just too few kind of group meeting sessions for that to to happen. So whilst um, they really enjoyed the actual role and they, you know, really liked the company, you know, they they had enough sort of uh, realization. Go, no, you know what? The fact that I love the company and you know what we're trying to do is is not going to make up for the fact that this is the kind of lifestyle that I want. Um, the other, um, there were two others that that didn't it didn't quite work out with, and I think that was really down to um, again them needing the kind of the human interaction to bounce uh, to bounce off. And again, it, it became apparent after a couple of months that motivation levels kind of um, sort of uh, the, the motivation levels that they had once we'd all met up together. And, yeah, we were all you know, going to go for it. Yay. And then when they went back to home working, the motivation levels went down. So um, it, it's just about, you know, different people get their energy from from different places. You know, and again, like I said, the remote working that we do here. I think that, um, so what for our developers who like to work in peace and quiet, um, it, it's fantastic for them, but they still used to meet up and have kind of like little, um, you know, huddles where they would share ideas and that type of stuff. But in the main, they do enjoy the peace and quiet of, you know, their own environment. The account management team, they're speaking with so many people on a daily basis. It doesn't feel like you're working from home because you're constantly talking to people and you're constantly helping people. And there's there's that interaction there. And pre-pandemic, we would have been out and visiting clients as well. So there is that kind of energy there. And the sales team as well. Again, pre-pandemic, we would have been out there visiting um, you know, new business opportunities. So you'd have a lot of travel and interaction and that type of thing. So I would say that during the pandemic, what you've got is um, you've got an added burden, I think, on, on uh, organizations. Um, you've got an added burden on everyone. So whereas we were definitely we're more used to working remotely and we have structures in place and we have you know, things like that. During the pandemic, I think it has kind of um, 
put pressures even on, on this structure because none of us are this used to, we're used to working from home but we're not this used to um not interacting with other people outside of work or interacting with people face to face as part of work Gary Walker, when I spoke to him in episode 87, pointed out that as a remote worker, your social life does need to be more deliberate, but it's certainly not diminished. And as to Sam's point, the pandemic has brought a whole new experience to those of us who are used to working remotely, usually, because now everything's diminished. So, a million-dollar question. Pandemic aside, what are their challenges as a remote company? It's, it, it's communication, because... You need to meet up regularly and you need to have that sharing of, you still need to have that sharing of ideas. When you work remotely, you can get quite siloed. And that, that's, I think, one of the biggest challenges. Um, there, isn't those, there aren't those sort of chance meetings uh, over making a cup of tea in the kitchen where you find out little bits and pieces. And even though we're a small team, we, did, we have found that, um, we've had to properly stick to a few processes so that those kind of like miscommunications and silos don't build up and up. So I say that has been a really key challenge for us. And um, we do use you know, Slack for you know, chatting away in the day and we do encourage like silly banter and things like that. Um, but they, you have to, you know, it does have to include some kind of um, face-to-face at some point during the years to build up that um, that's kind of sense of trust. And also sometimes when you're communicating digitally, people don't get your tone. Um, and your tone can come across as really abrasive when actually you meant it to be funny. Or uh, unless people have a little bit of an understanding about how you are, things can be taken uh, taken badly things can be missed out and so on so i would say communication is 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 a big challenge the only other challenge has actually been and this is fading away now thankfully but the only other challenge has been the confidence to say we were a remote organization that we all work from home so we would um so some of our customers are very very big uh sort of governmental customers and um you know, very high profile customers. And as we go through the procurement process with them, they would have, you know, sometimes like a good three or four pages devoted to the physical security of your, of your office. And it's been very beginning at the beginning of it. It was very difficult to go through all of those and say, actually remote working, remote working, remote working. Wow. The second challenge I would never have guessed, but it makes so much sense because even still, so few people could really define exactly what remote means because it means different things to different people and everybody has their own idea and their own spin about it. And actually, I was chatting to Tim Lloyd, who is basically the product guy over at Worker the other day, and he said something that I thought was very profound. He says that, well, remote work, all it is conceptually is allowing people to work from wherever works for them. And I think that is such a lovely concept that will allow every company to adapt their remote culture to something that really suits them. And I think actually Sam agrees with that because we were chatting about how different people have different needs from the, the from the remote working work style and certain things will work well for them and certain things will work well for other people, which led us back into chatting about the office. When you travel into the office, 
there's this idea that one, you have to dress in a certain way. Two, you have to work between X hour and Y hour. Um, and three, that when you work, when you walk through that office door, you leave your family or personal life behind you. It's something which is very separate to you. And it sets up this kind of weird split personality, which I don't think is particularly very healthy. And also it's one that sometimes favours people who either don't have a family life or they're not the primary caretaker of the family. What I've loved about the the lockdown is that it's meant that people put on their um, cameras on Zoom and you see their lives and you I just like this idea that our lives are our lives there's work in it there's family in it there's all sorts in it I can totally relate to what Sam is saying here I think in many co-located roles I tended to leave most of myself at the front door because there were things that you needed to do to get ahead there were things that you needed to do to be perceived as someone who provides value for the team and the great thing about remote working is that all of that simply fades away because you then become acknowledged and rewarded for your exact deliverables your outputs and the outcomes that you help create towards the business vision and the team and I found that so refreshing. It was such a revelation to me that I could finally be judged, um, not just really judged, but appreciated for the quality of my output. So totally this rang true. And I spoke a lot about this in episode 85 with my ex-Microsoft colleague, actually, Jean-Pierre Levieux. But remote work really does completely shift that whole paradigm. But there's one more thing that Sam has to say about the magic of remote work. I just love the idea that you can live where you want to live and not where you have to work which is another kind of um falseness that kind of gets gets brought into things where you you have people crammed into sort of small houses and small spaces because they all need to travel into the same place to get the jobs that are the the highest paid and so on and what you have is you have great swathes of the of the uh, of the country where beautiful beautiful places with you know um, nice big properties available for people and and so forth but just because of the lack of industry there they are kind of ghost towns and I do think that if more people worked towards remote working if more people felt secure that remote working environments were secure then you could have a real quite significant um, and uh, dramatic change to the way that people live. Um, you know, I, I think there was an article in uh, BBC the other day that was saying about there was quite a few sort of um, places in Wales which had been kind of decimated since the you know uh, closing down of coal mines and steel mines and all that sort of stuff, and so forth, um, where people were now moving to because they could get bigger houses where they could incorporate a, a home office. Um, and suddenly house prices are massively going up and these areas are beautiful there's absolutely nothing wrong with them they are beautiful areas it's just that they have you know that you know people can't commute from them they can't work from them and I think stuff like that would really start to even out things in this country um and and so you know I, I really kind of believe I really hope that this pandemic means that it's now going to be what people expect from reasonable businesses. 
Well, I think the definition of reasonable businesses will arouse as much confusion <laughs> as the definition of remote working. But anyhow, here's how to get in touch with Sam or PR Glue if you'd like to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, come along to our website. It's just prglue.com or pop along to LinkedIn where I'm very vocal about all kinds of weird and wonderful things. Um, yeah, happy to connect, happy to chat. And that, my friends, is a wrap. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thriving Empire. I appreciate you being here and hanging out with me. Now, if you're not subscribed already, head over to stephanieholland.co, that's C-O, and sign up right on the page so that you never miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the show, I have a favor to ask you. Would you rate and review it on iTunes, please? Just search Thriving Empire on iTunes. Click subscribe, then ratings and reviews, and you'll be asked to give it a star rating and a quick sentence or two on what you think about it and what you think about me. Now, this will really help other people find it too, so that more people can build their career and create the life they really want simultaneously. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful week and see you next time on Thriving Empire.